take your Bible and turn back into the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3. I agree with everything that was just said. I thank the Lord that he has this day set aside. And as I was mentioning to the new deacons and their wives outside before we came in, God ordained this day before the foundations of the world. He knew that this day would come. And he's not asking you to do something that you're going to be able to do in your own power. Rather, what he's putting on your shoulders, the weight and the responsibility to be a deacon and a leader in this church is exactly what you've heard from these two men. God's word, authentic, authentic faith that leads not only your home, but your lifestyle and the way you are here. And I appreciate these men and what they've shared with us. I want to be brief, but I want to summarize everything uh, that God's done in your heart this week, and uh, then we want to lay hands on you and pray for you. I want to read every verse that the Bible gives us. This is Paul's letter to Timothy, and Paul makes it very clear what the qualifications of a deacon are. Go to the eighth verse of 1 Timothy chapter 3. Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved, and then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slander, sober, faithful in all things. Ladies, there's a verse there just for you the qualifications of your ministry to love, to follow your husband, and then to be the tender, compassionate representative of not only your home, but the heart of this church family is the ladies. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well, as Pastor Nathan read, for they have used the office of a deacon well, purchased to themselves a good degree a great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. The root of that word deacon, if you take it all down and you boil it into a sauce, the sauce of what deaconship is, it all means a servant. It all comes down to one word, a servant. Pastor Nathan talked about that some already. But when it's all said and done, the office of a deacon is the office of a servant. Faithful service to God will never happen accidentally. You'll never just wake up one day and stumble into faithful, consistent service to God. If you're gonna serve God, be faithful, and not only that you've met the qualifications, but that you maintain the qualifications of a deacon. It's gonna take some intention and purpose in your life. And it can't just be the husband with intention and purpose, or it just can't be the wife keeping it all together. Together as a unit, a godly unit, you must with intention and in purpose seek after God to maintain your office and the servitude that he's asked you to do. Uh, but you're gonna do this in five simple ways. We go to the scripture, it's its best commentary, and it's the best guide for people who wanna serve God and to be faithful to serve God consistently. The first is service and truth. You're gonna serve God consistently and faithfully through service and truth. Service and truth. We must serve God with honesty 
and sincerity. Living and serving consistent with his word. Jesus came to do the will of the Father and to be about his business. And now in the truth of what you know of who God is and who his son is, now it is our time, it is our place to be servants of the most high God and be about our father's business. And the reason that we can all, not just the deacons that are here today, but the reason that we can all be about our father's business, doing the work of the Lord, is because he is the one true God. There's none of this that's up for question. There is no doubt. God is God. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the kinsman redeemer. And what you are embracing today, who you are serving today, is a God of truth. You must serve in truth. Jesus was very clear in his teaching that we cannot serve two masters. We'll wind up being devoted to one and despise the other or will love one and hate the other. Your desire, your passion, your wants, what your thoughts are for what your life should look like, it changes, it becomes different. Now as a servant of the Most High God, everything about your life, everything about your world, it centers around service to God. John 8, 31 says this, then Jesus said to those Jews which believed upon him, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And if you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. You serve him because you know the truth. You know who he is. And you know the truth because you know him. You must serve in truth. John 14, 6, Jesus said it clearly. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And as you serve the people and as you are a representative of Christ to those around you, you serve in that capacity that what you are and who you're serving is truth, the truth of God's word. You have no greater answer to why you serve as a deacon than the fact that he is simply the truth, service and truth. Secondly is service and love, service and love. No service to God is acceptable service if it is not with love in your heart. You can do all the busy work you want to do. You can do as much action as your body will humanly allow you to do. But if it's not done, if the service is not completed with love in your heart, not only for God, but for the people whom you are serving, then God finds it not acceptable. It's just more busy work. Matthew twenty two thirty seven says, Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, and with all of thy mind. You are called to love God. Jesus goes on and says, this is the first and great commandment. He follows that up with this. And the second is like unto it, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. If you do not do what you're doing, serving in the way that you are serving with the love of God in your heart and the love for the people, then God sees it as nothing. It's an opportunity for us to show God how much we love him. And you say, well, I look out and I see a lot of people. I see a list with a lot of names. How am I to love them? You ask God to give you a supernatural love for the sheep that only he can give you. You'll begin to look at every child that's on this campus as your child. You'll begin to look at every gray hair saint of God as your grandmama, your granddaddy, and God will give you a love for your people like you've never experienced anything in your life. A love 
You must serve in love. Service without love is a meaningless chore. And meaningless chores always breed resentment and pride every single time. If you're doing what you're doing because it is an exposure, because it gives you an opportunity to be seen, it's a human nature. But if that's the intention of anything that any Christian does, and it's not for the glory of God, eventually that repetitive motion will breed resentment in your heart. Well, God, I've been doing this for 10 years. My name's not been in the bulletin one time. God, I've been serving now for 15 years and no one has said thank you. At the end of the day, if you do it in love, those things are on the periphery and they do not matter. Service in love. Love for God will always lighten the load of what you're doing. If one of the pastors calls you and says, we're, we're drowning with names, the hospital list is full, can you go to the hospital? If you do a hospital visit or a home visit or you meet with a widow and you pray with her and it takes hours of your time and it's time consuming and it's hard on your heart and hard on your day, if you're doing it for uh, not only the love of God, but for the love of the person in need, then God will lighten the load. You'll get home and you'll realize, my goodness, I was able to serve God today in a capacity that I didn't physically know that I could. That's what serving God in love looks like. Thirdly is service and joy. Service in truth, service in love, but service in joy. Just like David, who was already busy doing life, he got an opportunity to serve his brothers. He's called to serve cheese and bread and corn. And he didn't argue. He didn't fuss. He went and he was happy to do what his father had asked him to do. You must serve the Lord with joy. Anything less is unworthy of who God is. If you're serving God begrudgingly or you're serving God because you feel like there's some sort of crowbar between what you should do and what you really are and you're just trying to get by. If there's no joy in what you're doing, you're missing a really good opportunity not only to give God praise, but to truly enjoy what God's done in your life. And the best way for Christians to have joy in what they're doing for the Lord is for Christians to remember what it was to be in Egypt. Look back at what it was to be in Egypt. Look back to the bondage of sin. Look back to where you were before Jesus changed your life forever. And now that you have not only a seat at the table, not only are you a son and a daughter of the Most High God, but now he's asked you to serve him in the Lord's army with a capacity greater than anything you ever thought you could be. And the truth is, if you look back every once in a while and say, God, thank you for bringing me out of Egypt. Thank you for taking the chains and the shackles of the old taskmaster off. What a pleasure it is to serve you. You are a good, 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 good God. And it's an honor to be your bondservant. That attitude from there will breed nothing but spiritual joy. It's so much better to be at the table where you belong than it is to be back in Egypt tied down in the sin and the shame and the guilt of what you used to be. The Apostle Paul, writing from prison, a prisoner of the gospel, he wrote in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, he repeated himself, I say rejoice. From prison, being locked up because of what he was preaching, the truth that Jesus saves. He said, rejoice in the Lord. Find your strength and your joy 
in the fact that you have a seat at the table. The psalmist said in Psalm 100 verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. There will be no greater joy in your life than serving the Lord. And even in days of difficulty and trial, when your heart is breaking and you don't understand why something has to be the way it is, you can go back and remember what it was to be in Egypt. Look back far across the Red Sea and see that you're not there anymore. And from there, you'll find joy. Lord, thank you for my salvation. Thank you for the Holy Ghost of God that lives in my heart. Thank you for meeting me this morning before I even got out of the bed. And thank you for your word that is true. There's joy in serving the Lord. There's service in joy, but then there's service in determination. Service and determination. We must serve God with unyielding determination. As I said, serving God will not happen on accident. But if you are embracing this role that God's putting upon your shoulders today, then you're going to have to decide now that you're going to be determined to continue in the faith, to continue to live up to the expectations and the qualifications of what God has asked you to do. And if you're not doing it with determination, then there's a good chance that you will not be sitting in the same seats that you are in a year. If there's no determination, if there's no uh, real militant attitude almost towards sin and the, uh, the opportunity to let God down, then there's a good chance you won't be sitting in the seats that you're in in a year. But if you realize what this is today and you embrace it and you say, God, as for me and for my house, no matter what it costs, we will serve the Lord with determination. John 12, 25 says, He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. Following Jesus requires consistency and it requires determination. You have to be determined each and every day to be the man and the woman that God wants you to be. Jesus goes on to say, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And he said, and where I am, there shall also my servant, there's that word again, be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. You want God to honor you, to bless your home? Then serve him and honor God. It's that simple. It sounds cliche. It sounds like it's an unreachable, unobtainable place. But if you'll simply honor God, He'll honor you. John 15, 20 says, Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. There is going to come a time and a place where it may cost you popularity, it may cost you business, it may cost you family, and it may cost you friends to stand for righteousness. And Jesus said, if they'll persecute me, the son of God, they'll persecute you. They'll remember what I said and they'll remember what you said. And if you're not determined now, then when that battle comes, you'll fall and you'll fold over. You've got to be determined now. And that's what church family, listen to me, that's what our job, that's what our role in this is, is for us to come behind these deacons and their wives and pray for them. God, don't let any of them fall. 
God, in Jesus' name, keep them from sin, protect them. And then as you watch them do what God's called them to do, the younger men of the church now have examples to follow that one day they can be a deacon, that they can serve. But if you're not determined now, it will never work. The determination has to be made today. Poppy, my great-grandfather, Ralph Sexton Sr., one of the holiest men I've ever known in my life. Just had an aura about him you can't even explain. He died when I was 14, but even at 13 and 14 years old, I knew there was something different about this man. And what it is, is Poppy, Ralph Sexton Sr., our founding pastor, this man was determined to live for God. He was determined that nothing would come in between him and his walk and his relationship with the Lord. In so much that when the J.C. Penney catalog would come to the house, he would take that catalog and before even opening it, he would take it to Nana and he'd say, Mama, fix the catalog. Fix the catalog. Well, it's a J.C. Penney catalog with advertisements and pictures. Back then they were still in black and white. But what would Nana have to cut out of a J.C. Penney catalog? Before Poppy would touch the catalog and turn one page, he wanted Nana to go through the catalog and any advertisement for ladies' undergarments should be cut out and put in the trash. Because he knew and he understood that when he stood in the pulpit on Sunday, that the devil, if he could, he would bring something up to his mind and he would use it as a place to put him juxtaposed against the Holy Ghost of God. But he was so determined that nothing would stand in the way of his relationship with God that he would not even allow it in his home. You say, that's radical. That's what it's going to take for this generation is men and women who are bound and determined that as for me and my house, no matter what it costs, we will serve the Lord. Even if the world says we're crazy. And it's a life of determined purpose to live for God. To be men and women full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. Lastly, not only is it service and determination, but lastly, it is service and humility. Service and humility. Our service to God must be characterized in humility. At the end of the day, it's not about me. And it's not about you. It's not about what men give us as far as accolades and recognition. This is not for you to come up in the index of power and have position over people or pastors. Rather, this is an opportunity for all of us to say, God, I wanna serve you with everything that I have humbly before God. Trinity does not belong to me. This pulpit does not belong to me. This church belongs to the Lord. And it's occupied by his sheep and those sheep know the voice of one shepherd and his name is Jesus. And it's my honor to serve alongside with you that for his glory and for the sake of lost souls on their way into an eternity without God, that they could come here and meet people like you and know that it's real and know that it's true and know that in the most humble way possible, we simply wanna stay out of God's way and allow him to move and allow him to work. This is about Jesus. As we serve 
we become the lesser. As we serve, we embrace the full responsibility even when it's heavy. As we serve, we take no credit and no glory. We simply serve for his glory. If this church has a problem, guess what? David, it's my problem. And after today, it's your problem. If this church has a problem next week, Brother Darren, it won't just be the pastor's problem and the other deacons. It's all of our problem. And if that problem gets solved, it won't be because we were able to do something great or manipulate or to change men's minds or hearts. It'll be because we are men and women full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost and we were just willing to serve and to be the mouthpiece of the Holy Ghost of God. We must serve with humility. And as servants, we humbly represent the qualifications that God in grace and in mercy allow us to be a part of. The qualifications that I read to you in the Bible, that has nothing to do with you. But God in grace and in mercy preserved you. And before the foundation of the world, he said one day that man will serve. And he'll need a wife to serve with him. And she'll need to pray for him and love him and he'll need to pray for her and love her. You see, God sets this thing up. There is order to the way God wants the church to be. This isn't just firing at the hip. This is following the word of God for the order and the structure of this church. And if we're a healthy church spiritually, then we have healthy spiritual deacons who love God and who love each other. The call today is to participate, to prepare, and to protect You've got to be here. You've got to be a part. You've got to prepare your hearts that before you come in this building on Sunday or Wednesday, you are ready not only to hear the word of God be preached, but you're ready to give something yourself. You've got to be willing to say amen in the sermon. Praise God as the song is sung. Do you know what that is? That's your spirit bearing witness with what's being said or what's being preached, what's being sung. It's an opportunity for the spirits to bear witness together. And some days I'm gonna walk up to this pulpit and I'm gonna need you to serve me fresh hot bread before I can give out one loaf. It takes all of us serving in humility. And as your pastor, deacons, and wives, this is my expectation of you. And I'll leave it with a question found in Micah. It says, he hath showed thee, O man and O woman, what is good And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? It's my honor today to look at these men that God has qualified, that God has kept, and welcome you today into the ministry of servitude to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as a deacon, as a servant, of the Most High God and the families of Trinity Baptist Church. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are and for what you are. And God, we thank you for these people. God, these wonderful people that you have set apart. God, that you have brought forth in a time when they're so needed. God, it is no accident that you've brought us to this place, to this intersection. And God, that you have this crop of people ready to serve. Lord, I pray today that you would find everything that happens here today pleasing or that it would honor you above all. And Lord, as in a few minutes as we lay hands on these precious people,
God, I pray that you would be ever clear to them in their hearts and in their minds. God, that they are to be servants, that they're to follow you, to live for you. Now, Father, my prayer is that they'll stay faithful and that I'll be faithful to be the pastor, God, that they need. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you're doing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.